So today we continue with how to meditate and meditation in and out breath. So as you understand, in and out breath is the very basic foundation to it. We're still talking on in and out breath. So if you've been meditating for quite a while in here, and if you still ask, how do I meditate? I don't. What's my focus? Then you're not at it. Your your object of, if you can want to say, focus or concentration is the in and out breath. Why do we use the in and out breath? All these we are already have explained in detail, so we don't want to go back again. And then we say that meditation is basically in two parts. Uh, zamata and vipassana. Uh, these are the Sanskrit words. And previously, I translated, or many people translated, samatha as concentration. But actually, concentration is not a good word for the translation of samatha. Uh, it should be because samatha is calming, relaxing, steadying, and focusing the mind. Not just concentration, because in concentration, if you do a, a hypnotic, uh, you know, concentration or uh, that kind of concentration, you still can concentrate, but you could be under stress because you 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 are instructed by the uh, the hypnotist to concentrate. So concentration may not be completely steadying and calming. So it actually should be the mental. Pacification, so we use pacification for it. And uh, another section of it is vipassana. Vipassana is a Sanskrit word. Usually, it is translated as contemplation. But then, contemplation is not a an extremely good word for for the meaning of it. We use introspection. So introspection, introspect is to ruminate inside of you. Uh, Not exposing your senses to the outside, you are you actually introspecting inside, contemplating inside. So we've been talking on counting. As far as the pacification is concerned, pacification is concerned is related to calming, relaxing, steadying, or stabilizing the mind. It is not yet with the intuitive, insightful uh, introspection yet. So, in other words, the wisdom part of the meditation is in four, five, and six, and the relaxed, calming, and steadying is in one, two, and three. So, we already have talked about one, two, and three in detail, very much detail. We spent about twenty hours on counting, following, and stabilization um, in detail. So, if you've been meditating for quite a while, you already have the direction. You already have all the directions in your nooks in your mind. Actually, don't look for any more. We usually habitually, we're always looking for something. Imagine you have a lot of books, videos on your shelves already at home, but you are still looking. You always think that there's always some more that you haven't found, but you already have it. But you already have the treasures in you. And you, you're looking treasures apart, apart from you. The roses in the other gardens are always better than yours. 
People like always feel that way. The other wave is is more considerate. The other wave is more is better. <laughs> Some husbands think that way. So, don't look anymore. Specialize in what you know. Counting, following, and stabilization. If you haven't finished counting, don't go to following. If you haven't gone, gone, if you're not successful and well done in counting, you haven't done it yet. You haven't finished your prime, your kindergarten. How can you go to pri- primary, primary one? If you haven't gone through primary school, how can you go to secondary school? So make sure that you are well done in counting, well done in following, and well done in stabilization. Then you go into introspection. And I already have touched, I already have spent about two hours on introspection. But introspection is something very important. I would like to deal with it again and again and again, maybe for quite a while, until we all got bored by it. You shouldn't be. And then we go into turning. All right? And these are the six gates to Samatha and Vipassana. In order to evaluate, to understand introspection, now concerning with the wisdom level now, we already have done with the Samatha. Now we are talking about the Vipassana, which is the introspection. Then we go back to how does the mind think? The mind thinks and then all these thoughts are being carried into action speeches. That's how the mind thinks. And, and the mind think about all dharmas. Here dharma does not mean just mean that the, the Buddha's teaching. Dharmas means all the thoughts in your mind, all the speech and all the actions. You always ruminate, you always think about actions, speeches, scenarios, history of the past, and about something about the future and something about the present. And all these, you have objects of your thinking. And these objects sometimes are physical objects or impression and images in your mind and, and sometimes con- concepts, right concepts, wrong concepts. This is how our mind is doing. Do you realize this is how our mind is doing? But most often we think in the wrong way. As our mind has been influenced by mental afflictions accumulated from our past experiences, our present life, our our past, many, many past lives, reincarnations, all these mental afflictions are greediness, anger, arrogance, skeptical doubts, self-views, perverted views, anxiety, worry, fear, hatred, jealousy, and so on. And the Buddha told us, life is full of suffering. You can take a very optimistic approach to suffering. Don't say that, oh, how come you're always negative? Life is suffering. Life is suffering as a fact. But we can take an optimistic, positive approach to it. That is your approach, but that's not a factual understanding. And why is life for suffering? Suffering arises because of our craving. Suffering dukkha, craving, tangha. So suffering arises because of our craving. We always crave for more. We crave for fame. We crave for reputation, money, luxuries, praise. You don't like Frame, you like praise. You don't like impermanence. You like permanence. 
Um, you don't like displeasures. You like pleasures. All that. Okay. All this craving, it is craving which leads to our renewed existence. We crave. Because of our craving, a thought of craving in our mind, habitually we carry that thought into action or speeches. And action and speeches and thoughts all created karmic energy. This karmic energy is, is responsible for our reincarnation, not God, not deities. You yourself de determined where you go. You're the master of your own destiny. But you have been thinking and acting desultorily, um, involving a lot of karma, involving a lot of bad karma, good karma, neutral karma. And with that karma, you roll into another existence. It's because of craving. But who can control craving? The Buddha said, the one who can control craving, stop craving, is walking towards nirvana, enlightenment, liberation. Craving, well, what kind of craving we have? Craving for sensual pleasures, lust and greed. All these are actually mental impurities. Craving for non-existence of these pleasures. You hate these pleasures. You like pleasures. You have aversion and hatred towards something you dislike. You're craving for non-existence of these pleasures. You don't want these pleasures to show up. Who wants these pleasures to show up? Nobody wants to. Who wants suffering? Who wants pain? Nobody wants pain, right? Craving for continued existence. We have delusions about permanence and impermanence. We always think that we'll live tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after until suddenly we die. Then we realize that we die, we're dying. We always crave for continued existence. People say, is there anything wrong in, 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 in maintaining continued existence? Nothing wrong with it. But if you if you con continue your existence hurting others, inducing more car karmic craving, you are actually creating more bad karma. There's also craving for possessions. We tend to personalize everything according to your self-interest. We personalize all actions, all thoughts, all things. We personalize them. When our mind thinks, we are dominated by these. Without you noticing it, we don't even know it. We are habitually doing that. So we are habitually creating karma. We don't, we don't even know what is wrong, what is right. So then the question comes up to, okay, we come to introspection. What happens if we introspect the wrong concepts? What happens if we, we, we contemplate things that we shouldn't be contemplating. That's exactly what we're doing. What have we been contemplating all the time? What have you been interacting all the time? For example, in the mass media, sex and violence. All this sex and violence mass media would infringe on your mind. They give you an indelible mark on your consciousness and you've been influenced by them and you think that way too. So it's very dangerous. 
to expose yourself to interaction of sex and violence in the mass media, but who can turn away from that? Very few people. When you get addicted to that, what you want to see, you will keep on and on and on. It's just like Tom is always addicted to games, and he can play until three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, and forgot about schooling because he's addicted to it. Addiction is a terrible uh, intoxication. Next, I continue with introspection, as we said. So, what is the right introspection now? Okay, the Buddha said we should do samatha and vipassana, but we must know what is right and what is wrong before we can think about it. Right? If we have the wrong introspection, we say stop. If we have the wrong rumination of the mind, we say stop. If we're ruminating on sex and violence and and selfishness and skeptical doubt and jealousy and hatred, greediness, pain, you name them, we say stop. We must know that those are not the right introspection. So it is very important that we know what is wrong and what is right. Many people cannot draw that line on what is wrong and what is right. I'm the most important. This is mine. That is yours. But we always personalize in a self-centered parameters, without you noticing what you're doing. So the right introspection leads to nirvana, leads to enlightenment, leads to liberation, liberation of all your suffering. Why are we suffer? Why do we suffer? Not because God giving us the suffering, not because of demon giving you the suffering. You created your own suffering. Because you have craving, we all have craving. We have to work towards what? Purifying all this craving, letting go of this craving, cleaning up all this garbage. We all have all this mental garbage in our consciousness that we keep on accumulating. Now the Buddha said, "Clean it up." When you are told to clean up your garbage, it's extremely difficult because we have been habitually. Accumulating garbage. Now you are told to clean it up. It takes a toll on your thinking. Why do I have to stop my sensual pleasures? Why do I have to stop attaching to beautiful things? Why do I have to stop attaching to? I don't know. What is introspection? Introspection in the Sanskrit language is. Samprajnaya. Samprajnaya means clear and right understanding. To understand it with clarity and righteousness, clear and right knowing with full awareness and introspection. But that's not enough. I have clear awareness. I have clear understanding. But what am I understanding about? What am I trying to understand? The next one is concepts of the introspection, because you ruminate. You are the subject. You're thinking about it. You're introspecting about it. You're contemplating about it. That's the subject. That's you. But you got to have the objects of your introspection. Your object your introspection is prajna. It is a state of pure consciousness that transcends worldly concepts or belief systems. What are worldly concepts and belief systems? 
worldly concepts and belief systems are all personalization and aggrandizement of the self, of the self-centered, of the self-centered ego. That's usually your worldly concepts. Belief systems always believe in self-pursuits of happiness without or ignoring or sometimes neglecting the welfare of others. People like to eat. That's why they kill animals for food. Do they care about the, the well-being of animals being slaughtered? All the cows, the buffaloes, the pigs, chickens, ducks. You know, when, they, they, when they're being slaughtered, they, suffer, they, they intensely suffer from pain. But because you like it, you support it. You keep on eating it. That's your belief systems. You believe chicken should be eaten, fish should be eaten, deer should be shot in in hunting. You believe those. That's your belief systems. Now these body concepts of belief systems that might impede perfect wisdom and trans. You, we, this belief system usually impedes wisdom. Now we want to transform the tainted consciousness into ultimate understanding of the true nature of existence and reality. We have to understand the true, the truth of this reality, the truth of this existence. Why do I exist? Where would I go? Why do I come to this world? Why are everybody not equal in thinking, in their in their pride, in their lives? Why are everybody diff- different? So you have to to cultivate into the wisdom of true reality, the 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 truth in existence. Not cultivating how to make a lot of money, how to be how to be praised. How to get the best out of everything? That's the karmic side of it. Now you want to go beyond the karmic side of it, and prajna is required. This kind of wisdom, we call it prajna, is required for you to turn from confusion, the shore of confusion and mental afflictions, to that shore of enlightenment, to that shore of purity, to that shore of equanimity. So, you need other than the desire to introspect. You also need the right concepts of introspection. So, what does that tell us? That tell us what are these concepts? I need some concepts to guide me. I need some parameters to guide me. Into the right introspection, right? What is wrong? What is right? I always think that as long as I better myself, why do I care? I always think that way. But now the Buddha said otherwise. So what exactly the Buddha said? There's a lot more to venture into it. There's a lot more to know. It's not just Buddhism 100. It's Buddhism 100, 200, 300, 400. You must have the tendency and the interest to know, to to delve into the understanding of existence and reality. 
not just in pursuit of sensual pleasure, sensual pleasures and, and self-interest. After all, what have you been pursuing in your whole life? Satisfaction of sensual pleasures? Fame, reputation, good job, good money, good house, good car. All this is materialistic. That wouldn't guide you anywhere. That could guide you into serious karmic energy that is responsible for what you are suffering now, for what we are suffering now. We should all turn back, doing something different. If you are living up to 40 years old, are you going to continue what you have been pursuing on? Getting to work, eating your breakfast, getting your lunch and your dinner, getting a date, getting a family and raising kids, and then after 90 years, nursing homes. And after another 10 years, ocean view. That seems to be, that seems to be the path that everybody is following. Are you just satisfied with just following that? The wise would say, no, stop. I want to know something more about, about life, about true existence. It's right here. This is what the Buddha told us. What are these concepts? Some basic concepts require in the right introspection. At least we should know some basic concepts. What are these concepts? I have gathered quite a few of these concepts, and I would like to go through these concepts in the introspection with you for a little while so that you know when you are actually introspecting what parameters we should be using. We say the four seals of the Dharma, the four foundations of introspection, introspection of the body, introspection of feelings, introspection of consciousness, and introspection of dharmas. And then we also do, we also analyze introspection of the five aggregates, introspection of dependent origination, which we call Patichasamapatta, introspection on Yogacara and Vijnana Matrata, and the 37 factors of enlightenment. All right. So you have to know all these, okay? Now, let's deal with the first one. If we can finish the first one today, it would be good. So, some basic prajna. So in other words, if you have been successful in calming, relaxing your mind, and steadying your mind, and stabilizing your mind, now we do a little bit more. On what? Introspecting the mind. Thinking about the mind. You know, the mind is very powerful, you know. I would like to throw some more points into it. Some people would think that, well, coming to a, a course of meditation, learning about Buddhism, it seems to be going contradictory to getting profit, getting more money, getting more material. It seems to be, if I go into that course, I will forget everything, everything about pursuing for my self-interest, and that's dangerous for me. I like to pursue my own self-interest. But let me tell you, if you're pursuing this course of Buddhism, it would at the same time, simultaneously, help you to be successful in what you're doing. Because you have a better mind, you have a more focused mind, and you know what is wrong and what is right. Why, why do we get into trouble? We don't even know what is wrong and what is right. Why do we get into trouble? We don't have one-pointedness of mind. Why do we get into trouble? 
because we only care for, for our own self-interest. The Buddha said, care for others. What does this care for others mean? Care for others, in another word, is public relations. Do you care for public relations? If you're not careful for public relations, how can you keep up, build up relationship with your clients, with your friends? If you don't have good relationship with your friends, with your clients, how can you build up good business and good job? All this intertwined. All this is like, everything is related. But this is related in the right way, and what you've been addicted to is related in the wrong way. So are we... So we get into the details of all this? Let's get into the four seals of the Dharma. The parameters, the four seals of the Dharma is, is setting broad guidelines as to how we should think. Very broad, generalized guidelines of how to think in our daily lives, in our meditation, in our interaction with society. Let's get into the four seals of the Dharma. What is seal? Seal, that means a chop saying Home Depot. This is from Home Depot. Chop, this is from Whole Food. This, because it sells. Anything that is away from this seal is not Buddhism. If you buy something from a Joe Blow, you're not guaranteed that you have a warranty. You're not guaranteed that equipment will work. If you buy something from a company that has a seal onto it, you can exchange for it if it doesn't work. You're guaranteed the quality of it, right? The seal is the most important. What are the seals of, the Bud of Buddhism? The four characteristics of all conditioned samsara. Samsara means life and death, life and rebirth. Everything is dominated by this four universal truth. We must know that this universal truth exists. First one is impermanence. All phenomena are impermanent. You name one thing that is, that is permanent to me. Is there anything that is permanent? Nothing is permanent. If you're listening to a Dharma that says, if you do this, you'll be permanently living. That's not what the Buddha said. That's not what the seal says. Impermanence. So everything is within the universal truthful existence of impermanence. Because of impermanence, we cannot attach permanent to impermanence. So in other words, why do we have, why do we always maintain a self-egoistic interest? Because we think that the maintenance of this ego is permanent. I want to protect it permanently. But nothing is permanent. You want to have pleasures permanently, but it doesn't exist. You want your, your husband to be permanently by your side your wife to be permanently by your side. It doesn't exist. What does it benefit you when you know that? See, when your husband passes away, you wouldn't be as grief-stricken. You know that 
that's a, a universal phenomenon. You wouldn't be grief-stricken all years round. You will continue living. You will be more positive knowing this. So impermanence. The next, next one is non-self. Now, impermanence in the Sanskrit language is anitya. Non-self, anatman. All existence is devoid of inherent existence or inherent nature. You think you have a self? You think this body is yourself? This body is not yourself. This body is only a lease that the body that, that you have, we have, is only a lease apartment. Not exceeding 100 years usually. When the lease expires, you've got to go. But people tend to, self with self-interest, love their own body. They love their own body and they attach to permanence. They love their own body, that's why they become egoistic. They love other bodies that induces what? Sensuous interaction, which leads to karma. So it's the loving of bodies. You have a self. You think that you have a self. Everything that we do is just an activity that is changing all the time. It's not an entity. Everything is just an activity, it's not an entity. What is the difference between activity and an entity? Entity is permanently staying. Entity is self-satisfying. Entity does not require any conditions for it to be fulfilled. Entity exists as it is, but there's no such thing. Everything we do is an activity that is changing, that is flowing. Our body is not an entity that is called self. Our body is the activity within a hundred years, and it changes all the time. When you get sick, it changes on you. When it dies, it betrays you, if you want to stay attached to it. So it's an activity and not an entity, but we mistakenly recognize that as an entity, and we, an entity is permanent, but there's no permanence. So sometimes you say, I suffer from this, I got fired, I have no job. But being get fired is just an activity that happens now. Don't be grief-stricken by it, don't give up. Keep on trying, because you get another job. So why do you have to commit suicide because you lost a good $1 million job and you want to commit suicide? That job is just an activity at that time and it changes. The fact that you get fired is just a change that comes through to you. So how does it matter? What you should do is I learned from why I get fired. I must have done something wrong. I want to improve on it. I want to learn from experience, but not agonize on experience. There's a difference between learning from experience and agonizing from experience. So there's non-self. I can't even finish this. Maybe I, I just, next time, uh, I already have touched on impermanence and non-self. Maybe next time I should talk about suffering and nirvana. So remember, this is I shouldn't say the trademark.
the enlightenment mark of the Buddhist teaching. If there's anything that is walking adversely against these, it's not Buddhism. So okay. So next time, I'm going to repeat it again so that I won't repeat it. I, I won't have this in my mind. I have to repeat permanence. I I finished impermanence concept and the non-self concept. Next time I'll be talking about suffering and nirvana. And there's a lot more to talk about because when you introspect, you need the right introspection. It's just that you need the right teacher. If you follow the wrong teacher, leading you hell, there's a problem. <laughs>